Well, good morning, everybody. Let's stand together. Save 
Good morning, church. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Good morning online. Say hello to somebody there. Somebody in, next to you, say hello. Say you're glad to see them. My name is Sean, and if you are new here, I'd like to meet you and say hi. If you have any questions about the church or how to be involved or for growth groups or anything like that, let me know. We'll get you in the right direction. So we just have a few announcements this morning. <laughs> that was a trick my best man did at our wedding, so I thought I'd pull one right out of the back pocket. Number one, retire at reception for our office manager or former office manager, Brenda Smith, for 24 years of service. Woo! We've been blessed by the Smith family for so many years, whether it be in worship, management, or prayer and friendship. That celebration is going to be Sunday, February 20th in the lobby after service, so that will be next week. Today's the 13th, if you're wondering. The Belonging is going to be Friday, February 25th. So if you've been to The Belonging, before it was advertised as like a younger thing, but now it's not. It's everybody. So we want you to come. And we're going to have it at, it's going to be the 40 Corners Church. So it's typically been here, and you've probably met a lot of people if you've come to those events from those church. Uh, fun group, happy people, great service, great music. And we need you there because we need word of mouth, we need experience, we need fellowship, uh, encouragement for the ones that do come, to encourage others to come. Because we have these multiple times a year, and that demographic, whether it be younger but to 40, we, we, need, we need groups, we need people, we need like-minded people searching Christ and Christ's heart. So when you come, the Holy Spirit is definitely there because the Lord says when two or three are gathered, he is also there. So I invite you there. Starting point for kids, so you might have heard from the Vander Inks. That was two weeks ago? Was it? it was two weeks ago. No, it was last week, right? Yeah. We had, I believe it was five children except Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory be to God. Our kids' ministry is awesome. And it's just foundational right now. There's so much going on. There's so much growth. There's so much investment and self-investment and learning how to lead, and being taught by the children as well. I'm blessed every time I'm back there, for, you know, not as frequent as every week, but every time I'm back there, I, I walk away with something that I just cherish. So the starting point is going to be starting Sunday, February 27th, and what that is is if uh, you are one of the parents or family members that their children accepted Christ, of learning what's the next step? What do they do at their age? What do you do at your age? Uh, there's a lot of things we can learn if we have childlike faith, so I invite you, even if you are not one of those families, to come and learn something and let the Lord speak to you through that. Uh, there's a sign-up in today's digital bulletin um, if you'd like to attend that class just so we can have an idea. Um, so please do that. And in front of me, you will see Thinking of You cards for our shut-ins. Um, so we need volunteers to are willing to write notes of encouragement and send them off. They are already posted, the names are on them, the addresses are on there. So all you need to do is use your wrists and your heart, throw a little love 
uh, for the ones that cannot come. This weather has been extreme. COVID's been extreme for some people that can't come to the service. So just in, just want to invite you and encourage you. I've been saying that a few times now, but fellowship is so important. And just today, we got a card from Miss Betty for my our three soon to be three year old, and it's just it's nice to have that old fashioned, genuine care, a handwritten letter. And I know the ones that receive those will appreciate them appreciate them even more. So there's eight up here, first come first serve. I hope that they're all gone because that means I have to do them at the end. I'll take every single one that's left behind. Uh, number five, I want to invite you to, uh, for the ladies, Women's Bible Study is Tuesday, 6.30. Now, last year, uh, my wife, who is helped leading a Bible study along with uh, Miss Susan, I came to pick up our son Mikey uh, in the lobby where Bible study was getting ready to begin. And I was surprised. I was embarrassingly surprised of the turnout. And if you've been around... Um, a group where you can be vulnerable and close to. You know God is really moving. We get to live life with other people and do a Bible study and just be deep into the word of God and let God speak to you through that. So if you have not, give it a thought, women. Please give it a thought because that is what it's all about. Week two, you haven't missed anything except for week one. (laughs) You can still hop in. You can still hop in. Please come. Please come. And men, we need to step it up. The ladies are showing us up. We need to get together. I need to be a part of a Bible study. I'll be, I'll be honest with you right now. So if anybody wants to think about that, let's connect heads. Let's connect heads and let's, let's start something, men. And lastly, but not least, we are praying for our new pastor who has yet to come. 10 minutes before service. So please pray with us. This is your church. It's God's church, but this is is your home. We need you. We need you a part of this process, the decision-making, the discernment. We need, our search committee needs your prayers. We are just humans. We rely on God and God alone. Without him, we are nothing but flesh and bone, but we are full of the spirit with him. So pray for us, pray for our church, pray for our future pastor to come, because we're going to have one heck of a year. And I invite Ms. Ruby Myers up for a missions update. Showing a chip on the court. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about Danny Lopez and Kim, who serve Um, through an organization called Ministerios Buena Vista in San Pedro Las Huertas, Guatemala. Um, We got acquainted with them because Pastor Josh knew them when he was in Alabama, and we even had people take a mission trip down there. But um, some of the things they do, um, they have a child sponsorship program, which allows more than 120 children the opportunity to attend school and have one-on-one tutoring. Uh, Schooling is not free in Guatemala. You have to have uniform and buy your own things. They also get basic medical and dental assistance and food baskets are also included. Uh, There's a special needs orphanage in uh, Buena Vista. 
where they provide assistance. Um, I read that like they might help with repairs on the building or some other assistance that the or orphanage needs um, to run their operation. Uh, malnourishment is a serious problem in the area where they serve in Guatemala. They have two feeding stations in the mountains where children can get a nutritious meal along with Bible lessons. Another ministry is called the Transition Ministry. This is designed to help students who have finished their schooling learn how to budget their money uh, and learn lessons of adulthood that they may not have gotten growing up in their families if their parents were busy uh, earning their living or whatnot. But they help them to be adults and take care of some of those issues. Danny Lopez had many issues because of COVID. He contracted COVID prior to the time when shots were available in Guatemala. Um, he initially got over it very easily, but then when he went up in the mountains where the air is thin to the feeding station, he began to have problems. And for some time, he had a lot of problems being able to keep his oxygen level up and just being exhausted and not able to do anything. And if you remember last year, we had the COVID relief fund. We sent, uh, I think it was $400 down to help him with the cost of getting a, a oxygen machine so that he could have enough oxygen. And I think he still periodically has a little uh, remaining problems with that. Uh, just recently, he was doing something on a ladder and he fell off and broke his left leg in three places. So he's a little laid up from that. Um, and then I also wanted to give an update on uh, Dan and Christy Kim. You will recall that they were here not too long ago um, because um, Dan uh, broke his knee in Budapest where they serve and couldn't get the medical care he needed there. So they came back to the States for care there and they were hoping to go back after Christmas to Budapest, but recently in a um, routine mammogram, they found precancerous cells in uh, Christy's breast. And so they um, removed those cells and she's uh, going to have a treatment plan to, to take care of that. And then they will be returning to Budapest. So as always, I ask that you pray for Dan and Christy, Danny and Kim and all our missionaries, that they speak with boldness, that they have courage, um, that their words will be effective, and that as they preach and teach, that they raise up more workers for the harvest and bring more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Well, we give you thanks for this day, Lord. I give you thanks for the people who did get to come and, and venture through the snow. Um, I just pray for safety as they venture home. I pray for this morning's service, Pastor Chuck. I've heard so many great things, very little bad things about him. I just want to pray that you anoint him, anoint his word. Know that your word, Lord, sharper than two, any two-edged blade, piercing bone and marrow, discerning spirit and flesh. Ask for your blessing upon him and upon us today. 
Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, but give us a heart for you. I ask that you soften all of our hearts, Lord, so that you can do more work on us. Teach us and guide us. Teach us and guide us. I'd like to pray for our church, Lord, for Jolene Morris, Ruby Myers, George and Sherry Narangs. Our church family is so special. And although we might not all know each other on a personal level, I ask that we know you on a personal level and you grow us together through the word of Christ. Pray for our missions, Danny and Kim Lopez in Guatemala. Your other bodies were needed to be healed. Give endurance to their soul, Lord, and their spirit. They are fighting the good fight, and we give you thanks. Pray for today's service. Work on us, Lord. Work through us, Lord. Let your name be glorified. I give you thanks for all things. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. We'll stand as we continue in our worship.
now one more time. Open up the heavens. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our
I just love the words of that song, man. the picture of joining with those in heaven who are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, that we can raise that song right here on earth, right here in this room. God, we just thank you for being with us. We thank you for the way that your spirit surrounds us in our worship. So Lord, this morning, I pray that we would feel you in a real and a tangible way that you would speak to our hearts through Pastor Chuck, through your word. God, we love you, we worship you, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. What a, what a wonderful song. <laughs> I just love the, I love to be led to think about that moment in time in heaven where we're all praising Jesus together. Wow, 
It's fantastic, isn't it? Praise God. Well, it's, it's good to be here today. Um, I don't know if any of you have wondered this, but Barbie and I wondered on the way here to, this morning, are we going to have a Sunday where it's not snowing? <laughs> Roads were slick again this morning, but praise God we're here. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes the week is, is difficult and uh, it's tiring and it's, you know, you get exhausted and you get you're feeling like you just... Uh, you know, you're in the monotony and all that stuff, but um, isn't it good when we're able to come together, to be in the house of the Lord together, praising his name together? Isn't it refreshing? Isn't it something that fills us up and gets us ready and gets us prepared to go out there again for another week and uh, serve the Lord and, and worship him and represent him to the community and the people that we're around? Uh, we're, we're here for a good reason, aren't we? Amen. Praise God. Uh, you know, uh, I am a, a part of a men's uh, group, a men's Bible study group uh, from East Canton Church of God, where uh, Barbie and I came from. And, and uh, Wednesday, we were, we were meeting together, a bunch of us guys, and we were sitting around in a circle, and we were talking about how tired all of us were. We were. We were just. We were. We were just being open with each other, being honest with each other, and saying how tired we were. And and then as we, you know, we shared with one another and just kind of opened up together. But then we opened the Word of God, and we read the Word of God together, and we talked about what it means for us. And I'm telling you, we left there refreshed, renewed, strengthened, and excited about what God is doing. And so, uh, Sean, I echo what you said, guys. Uh, the women are leading the way. <laughs> Guys, get on the ball, right? Time to get on the ball. But uh, And then, Sean, you, you've heard something bad. I want to know who you heard it from. <laughs> 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 I want to know who you heard this from. It's just a rumor. <laughs> okay. All right. That was funny. That was funny. Uh, and it leads right into what I'm going to ask you to start out. Have you ever been hurt by someone? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that is the, the question I want to start with today. Have you ever been hurt by someone? And, and that's, that's kind of a question I know the answer to, right? We all know the answer to that. We've all, we've all been hurt by someone, right? I mean, we all could say, yeah, absolutely been hurt by someone. Maybe multiple times, maybe multiple people, you know. Um, in November of 2004 in New York, uh, there was a lady by the name of Victoria Rivallo, and she was driving home from her niece's piano recital. And unfortunately, a car full of teenagers um, was also on that road, a stretch of road in New York called Sunrise Highway. And they had, of all things, bought a 20-pound turkey with a stolen credit card. One of the teenagers, an 18-year-old by the name of Ryan Cushing, leaned out the back window of the car and threw that 20-pound turkey into the windshield of Victoria Rivolo. It smashed through the windshield and hit her right in the face. 
And it really just, it smashed her face completely. And uh, she, doesn't, she didn't even really remember him throwing the frozen turkey uh, through her car windshield. She really, um, all she really knew was that it came crashing through and it shattered her face and she ended up in ICU. And actually, she ended up having a 10-hour surgery to reconstruct her face because every bone in her face was broken. During that surgery, she had to have three titanium plates put in her left cheek. She had to have one titanium plate put in her right cheek, and they had to use wire mesh to hold her left eye in place. She went through that surgery, she went through that pain, she went through that agony. And I wonder sometimes when we go through life, who's hitting us with turkeys? Because sometimes we feel like we've gotten blindsided. We've gotten hit by something we didn't expect. And when that happens, we have to deal with the pain. We have to deal with the hurt. And I'm at... I'm not really talking about physical pain, uh, so to speak. You know that, that old phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? <laughs> that is so dumb. <laughs> that is so dumb. It, it, it isn't true because really I think what happens... I, when I was 13 years old, I haven't been in any, in any fights, really. I haven't. Um, but when I was 13 years old, I was walking through the neighborhood with my friend, and we ran into another friend from school, and, and we were standing there talking. And, you know, 13-year-old boys, we were just, you know, kind of like we were tough, and we were talking tough to each other. And, you know, and all of a sudden, the guy that we ran into, another guy from my school, in my grade, that I, that I liked, that we, we piled around together and we laughed to get you, he just hauled off and punched me right in the nose. Like he, he just, he, what, let's call it what it was, he sucker punched me right in the nose. And it just busted my nose and I was bleeding profusely and, and I want to tell you, that hurt. That hurt. But, you know, we recover from that. But sometimes we don't recover from what things are said about us. Sometimes things are said about us, and it's hard to recover from those things. We carry those things. Sometimes we carry those things for years, right? A lifetime. And, and I want to tell you that sometimes when we're going through something like that, when we're hurt by someone and we're, we're really like maybe stabbed in the back or, or we're abandoned by someone that we trusted or that we, we thought would have our back, you know, it, it hurts so bad that uh, sometimes we, were, we, uh, we turn to, to other things. We turn to, maybe we tur uh, turn to food. Anybody ever eat when they're depressed? <laughs> Discouraged and you turn to food? Yeah. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people maybe will do a good thing and talk to a friend. 
<laughs> I had this, I, I used to work, Barbie and I used to work at a Christian school. And uh, in, the, in the school, we had a kid, we had several kids that were challenging. Um, but we had this one kid in particular, it was very, he was very challenging. He, he was, I, I was always giving him detention because he was always in trouble. He was always doing things that he wasn't supposed to do. And I was always seemed to be giving him detention, and I was trying to, like, help him. But, I, you know, he was kept breaking rules, and he kept getting detention. And he did something really bad one time, and I said, okay. I said, well, let's go to the principal's office. We went to the principal's office, and we're sitting in the principal's office. The principal decides, because he's fed up with him as well, because he knows all the trouble he's, he's always in. And the principal decides that he's going to suspend him indefinitely. And so he suspends him indefinitely. And you know what that kid said as he walked out the door? He said, I'm going to hire a hitman. Now, and I know what you're thinking. You said you worked at a Christian school? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And so... It, normally, I wouldn't think anything about it. Here's this, you know, he's, he's probably like a 12-year-old kid. He says he's going to hire a hitman. I just laugh about it. But you know what? His mom did anything he wanted to do. <laughs> he went, we suspended him indefinitely. We sent him home, and we found out later that she bought him a three-wheeler so that he wouldn't be bored while he was suspended. So I kind of thought, well, you know what? She might give him the money for this. You never know. You never know. So what do we do when we're hurt? What do we do when we're angry? What do we do when we're, uh, you know, like I said, feeling like we're maybe stabbed in the back, abandoned by people, hurt by people? Retaliation. Retaliation is the most common response. It seems like the right thing to do. If somebody hurt me, I'm going to get even, right? Yeah, right, right. Jesus had another reaction. It's amazing, really. Now this, this probably isn't going to be on the screen because I threw this in, but um, just to kind of give you an idea of Jesus uh, and how he did things. We know what Jesus went through for us. You know, we've been talking about it, singing about it, reading about it. And... Um, when, you, when you're talking about what Jesus went through for us, we know that he was, he was arrested, he was put on trial, uh, he went through all of the, uh, the trial and the, the accusations and the, and the mockings and the beatings and uh, people spitting on him, calling him names, uh, you know, and then all the physical things that he went through, the, the beating, the, the, uh, the whip on his back, the you know, the crown of thorns pressed down upon his head. Just really, just un, unbearable agony that he went through. And, you know, he, he stretched out his arms, had his hands nailed to the cross, had his feet nailed to the cross, and the cross lifted up, put down in the hole. And just the jarring of that, I just can't, I, we can't really imagine all of what Jesus went through for us. And yet, in the book of Luke, in uh, the 23rd chapter, 33 and 34th verse, uh, it says, when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there 
along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And this is Jesus' reaction to being hurt. This is Jesus' reaction to all of these horrible things that he went through. His reaction to being hurt, his reaction to, uh, to being abandoned by his disciples, his reaction to all of the things that he had just endured, I, I, it's hard for us to imagine. I mean, can you imagine going through all of that and your thought in that moment and time being, forgive them? And that was Jesus. And so as we think about Jesus, we're looking at his example. And, and I hope that, that you see that really week in and week out, we're looking at the example of Jesus. And, and, and really what we've been talking about week after week in the last several weeks, we have been talking about living life according to the example of Jesus Christ. Uh, which is basically what we're doing when we're being a disciple. And so we're learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We're learning what it means to walk like him and talk like him and react like him and live like him. And is it easy? Absolutely not. It is so difficult. But I want to ask you this morning, are you glad that he's taking you along that path? Are you glad to be learning to be like Jesus? Are you glad to be living in such a way that you are actually having the opportunity in your life to emulate him, to walk like him, talk like him, and live like him? Are you glad about that? I hope so. Are you challenged? I hope so. There's another portion of scripture that I think shows us more detail of Jesus' example of how to handle being disappointed by people, stabbed in the back, abandoned by people who should stand with us. And, and uh, that is found in the book of John, John chapter 13. And uh, we're going to read 1 through 11. And so I am going to ask you if you'll stand with me. As we read John chapter 13, 1 through 11, together. Thank you. Thank you for standing. It says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the, in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from, the, from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. I've been mentioning that feet washing is an ordinance. And uh, we've been, I've just been mentioning that and been kind of like throwing that in there. And today we're going to talk about it. Now, please don't get the idea that I'm going to twist your arm to wash feet because I'm not going to do that. Uh, I would no more do that than twist your arm to take communion. I, uh, these are things that we don't twist people's arm to do. We don't force people to do these types of things. We simply talk about what the Word says about them and then allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to testify to our heart and help us to understand what we should be doing. And so that is just my intent today. I want to present this, this uh, sermon about uh, washing feet. And, and really, uh, I've entitled the message today, The Grace of Wet Feet. The grace of wet feet. And I think you'll see what I mean by that as we go along. So as we read this scripture, I, I just want you to really focus on Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus a little bit because, uh, you know, that's fun, isn't it? To talk about Jesus, think about Jesus, focus on Jesus. That's a good time. I, I enjoy doing that. Whenever I'm preaching, one of the things that I, that's my favorite thing to do is talk about Jesus. I love to talk about the Lord because uh, Jesus is so great. He's so wonderful. And so uh, when I'm reading this portion of scripture, I'm thinking about Jesus. So I'm thinking about the prince of glory. I'm thinking about the line of Judah. I'm thinking about the savior of the world, the creator of everything, the king of everything, the master, the teacher. I'm thinking about Jesus and I'm thinking about how amazing Jesus is. Now, you, if you want to think of an accolade, you want to think of a title, you want to think of something that speaks of prominence, dominion, sovereignty, glory, majesty, that's it. Jesus is it. You, you name it, you, you give that title to Jesus and he is worthy. Amen? He is worthy of all of that. He's the ruler of everything. And the ruler of everything got down on his hands and knees, and he began to wash feet. That's a big deal. Uh, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but that's a big deal. That is something that uh, in that culture, in that time, servants did that. That was set apart for servants to do. That wasn't something that uh, a teacher would do. A teacher would not do that. A master would not do that. Someone who uh, had disciples would not be uh, kneeling down to wash their disciples' feet. In fact, if there was anything going on between a teacher and disciples and feet, it was the disciples washing the feet of the master. And so that was just something that was just uh, amazing. And, and when you begin to think about it, uh, you begin to see what Jesus is doing here. He's really 
kind of he's kind of turning the room on on its on its head, you know, and making the room think, what is going on here? When he did this, when he got up and he started to do this, the disciples would have been, what is he doing? You know, their reaction would have been, you know, quite uh, amazed. They would have been quite amazed. Now, I've heard people say, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that and, and, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve Jesus. I'll do all these different things that you want me to do, but I'm not washing feet. And I want you just to realize that if you're doing that, if you're saying that, you're in danger of putting yourself above Jesus. You're in danger of putting yourself in a position where you're saying that you won't do something that Jesus would do. Okay, so that's, that's a little iffy right there. You got to be careful. You got to be really careful. Let's talk about feet. If you're able to slip your shoes off, you can do it. If you can't, that's fine. Uh, if you're scared to do it, then don't do it. Um, feet are gross. <laughs> I got an amen. All right. Feet are stinky. Feet are, feet are nasty. And, and, you know, we have all these different, we have, we have become a society that has a, a, a scent, a scent for everything, you know. We have candles with all kinds of different scents. We have diffusers, we have air fresheners, we have cologne and sprays and all kinds of stuff. We have scents for everything. I don't think you'll ever find one of those things in the scent of Dorito feet. Okay? Because in Cool Ranch, yeah. Because for some reason, and I don't know why, a bag of Doritos sometimes smells a little bit like feet. Not sure why, it's pretty gross, but... You know, that's just the way it is. We don't keep framed pictures in our uh, rooms of people's feet. Grandparents, as much as they love their grandkids, they don't have pictures of their grandkids' feet. Like, just their feet. <laughs> okay? That's because feet have heels, feet have bunions, feet have fungus, feet have toenails, feet have corns, feet have calluses. That sounds a little bit like I'm describing the Grinch's heart, right? We wipe tears from people's cheeks. We throw our arms around people's shoulders. We may even run our fingers through people's hair if they have any. And uh, we do all of these kinds of things, but we rarely volunteer to rub feet because, like I said, and I got an amen, <laughs> feet are gross, feet stink. Feet are nasty. Well, here's the thing. In Scripture, Jesus touched the stinky, ugly feet of his disciples. Knowing that he came from God, knowing that he was going to God, okay? Knowing that he had dominion, he had control. Okay, he was in control. Jesus was in perfect control of the situation. 
And, and I think we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes because here, you know, he's right at that moment in time. They're going to complete what they're doing here in, the, in this time of supper. And then they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that Garden of Gethsemane is that moment in time that he's going to be arrested. And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that he was in absolute control of this moment. He had dominion. He had power. Now, I, I, I want to remind you of the power that he had simply by telling you this, that in Matthew 26, 53, Jesus basically tells them, and this is the moment in time that he is in that uh, a, a trial time, that he reminds the people that are there that if he wanted to, he could call 12 legions of angels, a legion the 6,000 soldiers. And so Jesus was telling them, if I spoke the word, if I cleared my throat and thought the thought, I could, I could summon 72,000 angels to my side to fight my battle here. Jesus told us that. See, he had all the power that he needed in the situation to do whatever he wanted to do. Now, we're reminded in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, that one angel, one angel took out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel did that. Jesus said he could summon 72,000. For those of you who are mathematicians, do the math. That is, Jesus could summon 72,000 angels and they would have the ability to take out 13,320,000,000 soldiers. There's not even that many people in the world. Especially in that day. There wasn't near that many people in the world. Jesus had all the power, all the dominion he wanted to have, he needed to have. He could do anything that he wanted to do in this moment in time. And what did he do? He got up from supper. He tied a towel around his waist. And he began to kneel at the stinky, dirty, rotten feet of each one of his disciples and washed those feet. It's really a beautiful moment. It's really a beautiful moment. Jesus, with all his dignity, all his purity, all his dominion, Jesus, the Son of God, exchanged his holy clothing for a servant's towel. He lowered himself to knee level and began to rub away the grime, the grit, the grunge from the disciples' feet. Now, did they deserve such an act of service? Go ahead, answer that. No, they didn't. They didn't deserve such an act of service. They didn't deserve such an act of love. They didn't deserve such an act of grace. Because that's what grace is, right? When we're receiving something that's a blessing, when we don't deserve that blessing, it's an act of grace, amen? Amen. And so they didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve the Alpha and Omega to be lowering himself to, the, uh, to their level of their feet and taking their feet and wiping the dirt and the grime off and drying them with a the towel. 
It's interesting because um, when you think about serving, serving happens when we look at that person who we're serving and begin to serve them because of grace. See, really the foundation of serving people is grace. We serve because we're being gracious. I mean, when, when, you're, when you're compelled to serve by the Lord, uh, you're doing it, and you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. You're doing it because you want to do something for someone. It isn't because you have to. It isn't because maybe they've done anything for you in particular. You just want to serve them. You want to extend grace to them. And so really, when you begin to, to take the lever, the, 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 the uh, different layers of serving off, what you get down to when you get to the very foundation is you get to a level of grace. We serve because of grace. Jesus knelt down before his disciples and began to wash their feet, and he was serving and giving us an example to serve one another, but he was showing us that we need to serve because of the grace that is in our heart. He did that because of grace. Now, Peter was about to deny him three times. James and John had just asked their mother if, uh, or had just asked, James and John's mother had just asked Jesus for a prominent place for her sons. Uh, They had just had an argument of who the greatest was. Do you think Jesus was a little frustrated? I think he was. Being frustrated isn't a sin. It's how we deal with that frustration, amen? You see, they didn't get it. All of them would disappear when he was arrested. But yet, Jesus knowing this, Jesus understanding this, Jesus having the knowledge and understanding that they were all going to leave him and abandon him in his time of need, Jesus washed every foot in the room. He even washed the feet of Judas, who was to... Uh, getting ready to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver and betray him with a kiss. Now, at this point, I don't think that we like to think of Jesus washing Judas's feet. Now, there's a reason for that. Because it goes back to Jesus being our example. If Jesus is our example and we know that he washed the feet of Judas, then we understand by the example of Jesus that we need to be ready and prepared to wash the feet of that person who has betrayed us, that person who has stabbed us in the back, that person who has hurt us, that person who has done great harm in our lives. We need to be ready and prepared to wash the feet of even that person. And we don't really like that. I know I don't. Because that's difficult. That's difficult to think about washing that person's feet. In fact, that person, we have uh, have decided that we have the right to hate them. That we have the right to maybe, maybe not hate them because hate's a strong word and we know we're not supposed to hate people, right? And so maybe not hate them, but we know that we have gotten to the point where we've decided we have the right 
to maybe wish for their demise. Or maybe hope that something bad happens to them. Or they get what they deserve. Right? And for those people in our life, we kind of keep a boiling pot of water on simmer so that if they do one little thing, it doesn't take much to erupt and boil over. You know, maybe their picture's on our dartboard. So we walk around with some pent-up anger ready to let loose on that person who crosses us. And, and that is basically that Judas in our life. But Jesus washed Judas' feet and then let him go to go collect the silver. Now, going back to the power, the dominion, the control that Jesus had in this moment. Jesus had control in this moment. Do you think that uh, there was a temptation to not let Judas leave? But we do know that he said, Judas, go do what you plan, you know, my paraphrase. You see, it's really interesting when we began to think about what this setting was like and him washing the feet of Judas. You know, most people would not wash the feet of Judas and then definitely wouldn't let him leave knowing what was going to happen. But we're not most people, right? We're followers of Jesus. We're Jesus' disciples. We're, we're trying to emulate Jesus. We're trying to do what Jesus does. We're trying to have his attitude, right? I heard a slight amen. I, I told you, this, this isn't easy. This isn't easy stuff. This is difficult. This, this, is, this, is, what is, this is what really brings us to having the heart of Jesus, is this type of thing. Let's face it, we love it, we enjoy it, and, and, and when we come together on Sunday morning and we sing these songs, and these songs are so, the, the words of these songs are so special and they help us to worship and they help us to, to just kind of forget the world and just think about the Lord and worship God, and we need that, and it's great and it's wonderful. But that, compared to washing the feet of Judas... This is easy. This is not easy. But both of those things are being what Jesus wants us to be. Amen? You see, grace, grace has happened to you. Look at your feet. Go ahead. Look at your feet. They're wet. Not because it's snowing again. Figuratively, they're wet. They're wet with the grace of Jesus. You see, they're wet because we realize the grace of Jesus and that he washes the feet of those who don't deserve it. And I don't deserve his grace. I don't. I deserve 
punishment. I deserve to be punished for what I've done. I, I deserve to be punished for the ways that I, I fail him. But I don't get that, do I? Because of his grace. <laughs> and so my feet are wet this morning. He's washed my feet because I've embraced his salvation. I've embraced his forgiveness for my sins. My feet are wet. They're wet and soaked with grace. Jesus knows the dirtiest part of your life. And when you experience his saving grace, he washes even the dirtiest part clean. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Folks, that's good news. Do you want some good news this morning? The dirtiest part of your life, when you give it over to Jesus, he washes it clean. He makes it clean. He makes it new. That is good news for you and I. That is wonderful news for us this morning. We can rejoice in that today. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And just like he didn't pass up Judas because Judas was really bad, <laughs> Jesus didn't pass you either. And that's, that's really good because, you know, I've heard... I've heard people say, and I think I've said this before already, I've heard people say, if I ever stepped foot in the church, the roof would fall in, you know, because they just think they're so bad. They just think they're terrible, you know. The things they've done are just so horrible that if they stepped foot in the church, the roof would fall in, the walls would fall in, you know. And I want to tell you, Jesus didn't pass up Judas. There isn't anything that you've done that would make Jesus pass you by as you turn to him for forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good news? That's great news. You say, well, but Jesus, you're perfect. You, you never did anything wrong. You can't wash my feet. I betrayed you. I didn't speak up for you. I've done things that are horrible. You can't wash my feet. But there Jesus kneels in front of you, taking your foot in his hand and washing all the dirt away. You didn't deserve that love, but that's what grace is about. Now, did you ever wonder why Peter protested so harshly? I mean, it's funny because as we're reading through here, you know, Jesus is washing their feet. And I don't know how many feet of each of the disciples that he had washed. I don't know how many of the disciples had, had received the feet washing before he got to Peter. And he gets to Peter and Peter, you know, Peter, he's the one that always speaks up, right? He's always the one that likes has something to say. And Peter, you know, he speaks up and then he's like, you know, you can't wash my feet. And here's, here's what I think was going on in Peter's head and heart. Peter had witnessed Jesus for three years. He had watched Jesus do some amazing things. I mean, he had watched Jesus heal. He had watched Jesus feed 5,000. He had watched Jesus walk on water. Actually, Jesus had invited him out onto the water, you know, and 
And he had watched Jesus in so many ways. He had heard how Jesus taught, the things that he revealed from, about God. It was, it was amazing. And so Peter had witnessed all of these things. He had, he had seen things that would just blow our minds. And he, he was a witness to all of this. And he witnessed the purity of Jesus and the, and the way that Jesus uh, lived his life. And so when Jesus came to Peter and he wanted to wash Peter's feet, Peter thought, there is no way that I can let this holy man, this, this, this one who I know is the Messiah, the Son of God, there is no way I can let him wash my feet because I know me. I'm a mess. I, I, the things I've done, the things I've said, the things that I've thought, I can't let him wash my feet. Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus assured him, if you won't accept this grace, you have no part of me. If you won't accept this grace, you have no part in me. And I love, I love the fact that Jesus helped Peter understand that this grace that he has for us it isn't ramrodded down our throats, right? This grace is a gift. It's actually called a gift in Scripture. It's the gift of God, right? So that no one can boast. It's the gift of God. And so this gift is presented to us. And it is our opportunity to embrace that gift, we got to embrace that grace. We've got to accept that grace. We've got to take that grace in. And as we take that grace in, we receive that forgiveness. We receive that salvation. It is not of ourselves so that we cannot boast. It is the whole gift of God so that he gets the glory for all of it. And so he comes to Peter and he's ready to wash his feet. And Peter says, no way are you going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, listen, Peter, if you won't accept this grace that I have to give you, you have no part of me. And Peter was like, well, then wash my head and my hands. Because Peter couldn't imagine life without Jesus. Amen. And so understand this. Jesus is at your feet, but you must accept his grace to know him and walk with him. Now, now the difficult part. I don't know whether you can pull up the next verses in John 13. John 13, starting at verse 12 and going through 17. John uh, 13, 12 through 17. Um, this is just a, a portion of scripture that I think uh, really then takes what Jesus did and then helps us to understand that this is an ordinance. This is something that we are to do as well. It says in these verses, um, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater 
than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. <laughs> do them. Those important words. I believe just as Jesus told the disciples to take of the bread and the cup and do this in remembrance of him, I believe Jesus made feet washing an ordinance as well. We remember Jesus' body and blood and the bread and the wine. We remember Jesus' example of serving and love and grace in the washing of each other's feet. Feet washing helps us to not retain bitterness in our heart for one another. It helps us to forgive one another as we should because it reminds us that we have been forgiven only because of Jesus' grace. Kneeling to wash someone's feet speaks a powerful message that nothing is going to come between us. No matter how you've hurt me, I graciously kneel before you to wash your feet because I can't let anything overpower my love for you. I can't let anything stand in the way of treating you the way Jesus has treated me. And so I will kneel before you and wash your feet. And if anything, it's a reminder to myself that I need to serve you as Jesus served us. I need to love you as Jesus loved us. I need to have grace for you as Jesus has grace for us. And so when we do these times of washing feet, it helps the church to stay in unity. It helps the church to stay together. It helps to keep our hearts knit together and really looking at each other in the proper light. That I am here and I'm going to serve you. And if you let me down, you know what? I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to love you. I have grace for you because you know what? I realize that I need grace myself. That would have been a great place for an amen. It, it really would have. Because we need, we need to be gracious to one another. <laughs> we really need that. We need that in this world. You know, we're living in a world where people are ready to pounce on each other. We're living in a world where people are just ready for us to mess up so they can hit us with a social media post, right? Isn't that right? And so what should the church be? The church should be a picture of grace, and not just the grace that we receive from Jesus, but the grace that we give to each other. And Jesus knew this. He, he understood this. He understood that we needed reminded of this. Just as he knew that we, were, we needed reminded of his body being broken for us, his blood being shed for us, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus also knew we needed to be reminded to be gracious to one another and serve one another, even if we're letting each other down, even if we think that someone has hurt us. or You know, get rid of it. Get down on your hands and feet and wash each other's feet. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. So, because you 
When you kneel before someone to wash their feet, realizing you are doing what Jesus did for Judas and Peter and the rest of the disciples, and for us as well, figuratively, it's hard to keep bitterness in your heart towards another person. If you're writing anything in your notes, you can write this. To accept grace from God is to accept the vow to be a giver of grace to others. Maybe you're wondering what happened to Victoria Rivalo. I'll end with this. Nine months after her disastrous accident, she stood face to face with Ryan Cushing in a courtroom. And it's an interesting story. Actually, if you Google, if you Google Victoria Rivalo, you'll find the story. You can read all about it. But really, what's interesting is at that moment in time, nine months after the accident, she's standing in the courtroom face to face with Ryan Cushing. And the judge had just given the sentence. Here's the sentence. Six months behind bars, five years probation, mandatory counseling, and some community service. Now, the maximum sentence was 25 years in prison. And that's what he got. Six months behind bars, five years probation, mandatory counseling, and some community service. Everyone was angry in that courtroom. Everyone was angry that the penalty wasn't more severe. Except Victoria Rivalo. You see, because the reduced sentence was her idea. She had made a plea to the judge to not put this young man in prison. Ryan walked over to her and she embraced him. And it wasn't to hurt him. <laughs> It wasn't to take him down. It wasn't to hurt him at all. She embraced him, and he sobbed on her shoulder. And as Ryan cried on her shoulder, she stroked his head. She assured him that she had forgiven him. This is what she said. She spoke these exact words to him. I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. Isn't that beautiful? It's, it's so beautiful. She told reporters, God gave me a second chance at life and I passed it on. Victoria had her feet washed and she in turn washed the feet of Ryan Cushing. So first question, have you had your feet washed by Jesus in other words, have you embraced that saving grace that he has offered you, that free gift of salvation? Are your feet wet with the amazing grace of the Savior? And then how are you doing at washing the feet of others? How are you doing at washing the feet of others? Not just the ones who make you happy, but the others who have maybe hurt you or irritate you or annoy you or have used you. I want you to look down at your feet once more. They are wet 
this morning. They are wet. Now whose feet do you need to wash? I don't know. All I know is that there may be someone in your life, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe there's been irritation, maybe there's been annoyance, maybe there's been a lack of forgiveness or some bitterness. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's time to wash their feet, just like you've had your feet washed. The grace of wet feet, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much, Lord, for the grace of wet feet. Jesus, when we think about your, your grace, your goodness, your mercy... We think about how undeserving we are of you kneeling before us to wash our feet. And Lord, we, we most likely feel like Peter and say, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Simply because we know, we know how, fall, uh, far we sh- uh, how far we fall short of being what you want us to be. And yet, Lord, you're at our feet and you're ready to wash our feet because of your love and your grace. You have served us so well, Lord. It's amazing that the God of all creation took off his heavenly robe and put on a servant's towel. You did that, Lord, so that we could be forgiven and walk in your grace and know you, Lord. And we just thank you and we praise you this morning. But Lord, we've also been challenged today. Because Lord, as you did this with the disciples, as you washed their feet, you, you then said that now it was their turn. And so this morning you say to us, now it's your turn. That person in our life that needs us to be gracious to them, it's time for us to wash their feet. And Lord... We pray that you'll help us to do just that. The washing of feet is a powerful thing. And Lord, that last verse that we read, that that verse 17, when it says that we're happy when we do it. Lord, there's nothing truer than that. It's it's amazing that when we wash someone's feet, it's it's something that we didn't we couldn't think that it would like actually make us happy or bless us, but Lord, it does. It blesses us in a great way. Lord, we're, we're so blessed when we're able to wash someone's feet. Because, Lord, you've given that to us. You've given that opportunity to us, and you've made it special. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. And may we use it. May we not run from it any longer. But, Lord, that use that opportunity. Lord, there may be somebody in our life that, that we've struggled with that wouldn't they wouldn't receive a literal washing of feet. <laughs> and that's okay. We can wash their feet in a figurative way. We can look at them and, and understand that, that we are washing their feet in a figurative way. But Lord, maybe there's somebody that, that would understand 
what it means. Maybe there's a, a spouse in here that would love to wash their spouse's feet just to, to be gracious, to clear things up, to make things right. Lord, when they do it, they'll realize they'll be so happy they did it. Maybe there's a, a person in here that wants to wash the feet of someone in the church. Lord, help them to take the opportunity to do that. We don't need a special service. There's no, nothing in the word that says that we need to have a special service to do something like this. It's something that you told us to do as an example and remember. And, and so, Lord, if there's someone in our life that we need to do this to, help us to follow your example and show this grace. Thank you, God, for showing us this example. Help us, God, to follow your lead. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close today, let's stand and sing this last song. The altars are open.
reminder, if you are new, this is your first time, or you have not done this yet, we have a little thing called Give Us Ten. We have staff member pastors hanging out right outside in the lobby that if you have any questions, want to learn some things, we have a small gift for you, and we want to know you, and we want to, we want to live life with you, so please, give us ten. And I'll leave us with this benediction. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Repu reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You are dismissed. Go in peace. Lift up our eyes.